Good evening, everybody. This is Tuesday, August 15th, 5.30 p.m., our regular scheduled council meeting. Can I get a roll call, please? All council members are present except for Vice Mayor Head. Thank you. Is he on the phone? Or? Was he calling you? Hello? Vice yes. Mayor Head, are you with us? <laughs> Vice Mayor Head, can you hear me? I am. Thank you so much. I'm sorry I didn't know you were calling in. All right. So let me rephrase that. All council members are present. Thank you. All right, we're going to start tonight with an invocation from Pastor Tim Amy, Amy from Community Lutheran Church. Please stand. Let us pray. O God, our Creator and Lord of all nations, to you belongs all power and authority. Grant unto this uh, city council the wisdom to govern with justice and mercy, that all people may live in peace and harmony without fear or threat. We ask that you help them lead our community to open our hearts to provide homes for the homeless, food for the hungry, rest and protection for the weary, relief for the addicted, welcome to those who are visiting, and compassion for the needs of all. We ask this in your most holy and gracious name. Amen. Please join me in the Pledge of Allegiance for the flag. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Please be seated. All right, call the public. If you're speaking as an individual, you have three minutes. If you're speaking as a group, you have five minutes. You must let us know you're speaking as a group. And Stephen, go ahead and start. Good afternoon, Stephen Lee, speaking for Voices for Freedom, um, Bullhead City. Uh, this Saturday, we'll hold our August meeting at 6 p.m. at Casa Serrano in Fort Mojave. Uh, and in my opinion, we need to unite around the truth as a community, no matter how ugly that may prove to be. I believe we're experiencing the biggest threat to our freedom and way of life in Bullhead City and Mojave County locally and at the state level, equal to what the deep state is doing to Donald Trump, especially if you disagree I urge you to do research as the information is not readily available and hard to find the truth through the lawfare and censorship I see within a minority of the local GOP. I have from reputable sources that the GOP had an election and elected Misty Devaney the new GOP director. Jeannie Kinch and a minority did not want Misty as director as their candidate, Barbara Houston, lost. Immediately, they had Misty served with a workplace harassment order, then changed the locks and closed the GOP office. This is lawfare. It is not how things are done in a democratic republic. It exists here in our midst. It's not the first time with the same people pulling the strings and selecting leaders in my view. It exists, it persists. I think we need to end this practice since we basically live in a one-party town, especially to all 
those in the GOP to all demand grassroots transparency, not top-down leadership. If you want voter support and consent of the governed, I urge you to allow public debates as opposed to gag orders and secrecy, and that goes to uh, the entire GOP. Uh, I really think that uh, things need to be aired publicly. Uh, and uh, with that said, a reminder, uh, our Voices for Freedom meeting, if anyone wants to use that as a forum, will be at Casa Serrano uh, this Saturday at 6 p.m. Uh, also, uh, if anyone still needs tickets, it's, I'm sure it's sold out by now. I still have a few tickets left for Clay Clark's Reawaken America tour. If anybody has tickets they're not using that have been given to them, uh, please let me know. If anyone else wants tickets, please let me know so that I can balance out the tickets. And I thank you very much for your time and attention. I hope you guys pay important attention to this very, very important issue. And regardless of how you think any individual might be affected personally, this affects us all. This is about our freedom and our way of life. Thank you. Anyone else? Jim Fuller, Bullhead City. Uh, I am a PC. <laughs> I'm a registered Republican. Jim, Jim, you, you need to face towards us. Steve can speak for Republicans when he signs up as a Republican. I know he's a independent. For him to come up here and bash on Republicans, I don't think it's quite the right place. So I'm here just to, to offer him a sign-up sheet. He can do this and become a Republican, and then he can join us and, and, and work on getting what he wants to work on, but he's not giving you the full story. And I spoke to him about this before. I spoke to him at our picnic. He wasn't happy. So that's why I'm here. So I don't quite agree with everything he said tonight, and I'm offering him the time, if he wants to fill this out, we can do it today. Thank you very much. Thank you. Anyone else, Sean? Good evening, Council, uh, Edna, Sean, uh, Bullhead City. Uh, I'm be speaking on behalf of Arizona Veteran K-9. I don't know if I'll need the full five minutes, so uh, you can keep it at three. Uh, Arizona Veteran K-9 is having a bingo night Thursday, September 21st at the um, Bullhead City uh, Mojave Valley Association of Realtors from 4.30 to uh, calling starts at 5.30, so I guess it'll go on until everybody no longer has fun. Uh, admission 25 for six cards and $10 for any extra pack. There'll be prizes, food trucks, and treats and drinks. Uh, the address is 837 Hancock Road in Bullhead City. Uh, proceeds will go directly to help Arizona Veteran Canine Services, and Lord, do we need it. Um, if anybody has any questions or um, needs any additional information, they can either reach us at azvetcanine.com 
They can also call the Bullhead City Mojave Valley Association of Realtors at 928-758-4808. They can contact me at 928-716-7493. Sorry, I have too many phone numbers in my head. Um, so I'd like to, everybody's welcome and enjoy. This is going to be hopefully a great time, and I look forward to seeing a lot of you there. Um, and anybody can contact me again if you have any questions. We also could use some door prizes, so if anybody is a business that would like to donate a door prize or two, that'd be great. We'd uh, love to have it. Um, one quick update. Uh, Arizona Veteran Canine uh, rescued a dog in Phoenix. His name is Blitz. He's a Belgian Malinois, two years old. Um, he was caged in a room uh, in his own feces and urine, and it, if, if there was a dead body in there, you couldn't find it. Uh, it was a horrific condition. Um, he had an eye infection um, two weeks out. Uh, we've nursed him back to health. He's happy, healthy, getting trained, and doing a wonderful job. Um, gave me a big hug on the way out of town. So I knew we were doing the right thing. We saved him from euthanasia because uh, Maricopa would have definitely euthanized him because they don't like to deal with those type of dogs. Uh, he appears to be a little aggressive at first, but uh, when you get to know him, he's a, he's a bundle of joy and he's a great dog. He's going to make someone a great dog as well. And that's what we do, and we could use a lot more community support. I could use some more volunteers. The same information um, that we provided, you can contact me on. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Scotty from Bullhead. Grace, 42 days ago, I gave you 30 days to give me your make Bullhead records, Bullhead better records, tax records. That's more than 30 days. Today, I sent you a registered letter requiring you to do that again. Go ahead and ignore that. You want to know how rough the IRS can play with your 501c business license? Keep ignoring me. Certified mail went out today. Now it's cost me money. Never in all my 75 years have I seen a disgrace of this round table discussion. Shame on you guys. Invitation only and you invite Mrs. Cinema, a socialist pig from Tucson. She's a guest of honor at a taxpayer funded building. I wrote up a public records request, and Debbie got it today. Here's what I requested. All names of people and titles who attended. All names who organized this socialist party. Who paid for the food and floral decorations? They're right there. Nice little setup. Jeez, what'd you do? Go rob a cemetery? Uh, who paid the mater D, the two bartenders, and the two servers? Are they now city employees? Or did the taxpayers pay for them? Was this a political party event? Explain invitation only. 
held on taxpayer-owned property. Who gave Steve D'Amico and Toby Carter the right to hold this event? What gifts were exchanged at the end of the meeting, which is in the paper? I want to know what the gifts were. Who took and paid for the photo ops of what will they be used for? Are you going to use them for political gain? Who authorized Cinema, a socialist, a key to the city without a public meeting? <laughs> Toby, you got it right here. <laughs> Was in the paper. The bell will always be, always remain open and accessible to all members of the public. That's a quote. What's invitation only mean? Paid for by the tax. I'm pissed. That's my swear word for the night. You got some explaining to do, Ricky. Anyone else? It's hot. If you guys see me out there, don't pull the phones out and take pictures at a four-way stop. It's, it's, I'm, I'm baking in there and you're sort of blocking me in. Or when you're driving down the road and you're making traffic happen, please don't pull the phone out and start taking pictures and videoing a solar car driving down the road. Yes, the principal works. It's been going on here in Boyd two, three years. It's going on a long time now. So please stop with the traffic and the blocking me in. It's hot, guys. Something needs to be said about Bullhead that's uh, sort of missed. It, it's our affordability, right? To be able to buy a house still for $100,000 and raise your kids and still go to school. Or don't have the best schools, don't have the best restaurants, don't have the best everything. We're working on that, right? We're working on that. So the affordability of our town as we keep moving forward, we have to keep that in mind when we the Californians come here and they start, we can't stop them from refinancing the houses and re doing the same things they did in Orange County, driving the houses from 100000 to a $1 million, same damn land. So we have to keep this in mind, representatives, we, we really do. So how do we do that? Because when I moved here, I had a $800 mortgage and I couldn't rent the house out for 400 So th there is a reason why our, house, our town is affordability. So as we pursue new industries, as I said, technology, green, I drive a solar car out there, self-sustainability, the, the charging stations that could actually uh, not be tied to the grid or we actually have to pay a company to come here. We could build these things from the ground up. And if you haven't noticed, Maui just had a fire. If there's a hurricane always going on, these things that I'm talking about building, they're portable. You could actually take it to FEMA and start getting those unlimited price tags that I'm hearing on the news that FEMA's. You, unlimited price. No price matters to them right now if you could get Maui some power and water. These are things that I'm working on building on. Right out there, you've been driving, to see, driving, seeing for years. I hope I've challenged some of my representatives to actually go out there and try to see what this technology is. As I said, my, my grandfather was administrator in Huntsville, Rocket City. Uh, Space and Rocket Center, so I, these are just things that I follow. There's always been a debate about space programs, about whether it's uh, feasible on world, on the earthly problem. We have world problems now. Space programs, these things that I'm talking about, you're solving 
water, you're solving food, you're solving homelessness. These 3D printers they're going to be using on the moon, they're using in Phoenix for the homeless camps right now. I'm running out of time, so like I said, I could keep going on and on about space programs because I was raised around it. You guys have a great day. Think about the new technologies and what we could be doing on our BLM land. Have a great day. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Uh, good evening, council staff and citizens. My name is Jason Newland, Bullhead City resident. I'm speaking this evening to let everyone know about a free drive-through food distribution taking place this Saturday, August 19th at 590 Hancock Road in Bullhead City. If you are interested in volunteering, please show up Friday from 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. to help with bagging and boxing of food. Also, volunteers, please show up Saturday at 6 a.m. It takes a lot of volunteers to move 30,000 pounds of food. If you are a new volunteer, look for me or ask for Jason. Myself or one of the other experienced volunteers will get you started. The drive-through food distribution starts this Saturday at 8 a.m. or earlier if possible, 590 Hancock Road. Thank you. Thank you. Eva? Eva Corbett, Bullhead City. Good evening, everybody, and especially Toby Cotter. I'm here to make the announcement about the fifth annual Bullhead City Suicide Awareness and Prevention Walk and Car Show. It's going to be Saturday, the 23rd. It's at Rotary Park and Riverview Legacy Ramada. It's very important that everybody support this group because suicide is epidemic stages now for our teenagers and, of course, our military. Uh, we're also having a car show, so the uh, car show will be a muscle cars and classic cars. And uh, this is the fifth, as I said, the fifth year. And there's going to be live music, and there's going to be food. So please come out and support the the awareness group. Thank you so much. Oh, 10 o'clock in the morning. Bye for now. Thank you. Is there anyone else, ma'am? Good afternoon, Mayor, Council, staff, um, Pamela Smith. If you're going to volunteer and you just yell, knife man, Jason will respond to that too. Right, Jason? Um, the reason I'm up here is to mention the Colorado River Republican Women's next meeting is September 6th. It is at Chaparral Country Club, 11 to 1, and our speakers will be Doug Schuster and Mike, somebody help me pronounce that, Canusio? So I did it right. Cool. Anyway, so hopefully we'll see you all there. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else? All right, then we'll close the call to the public. Any items to be withdrawn from or moved to the appropriate place on the agenda? You don't have to shake your head. You Mr. Mayor, I move that we motion to waive the reading in full of all ordinances and re resolutions presented for adoption at this meeting. Second. Right. Cash votes. Vice Chairman Head, your vote, please. I'm sorry, Vice Mayor Head, your vote, please. Are you with us, Vice Mayor? It appears that we yeah. are. 
Yes. Thank you. Seven in favor of the motion. Motion carries. Okay, manager's report. Good evening, Mayor D'Amico, council members. Uh, to start out a little bit off script, but I do have Autumn Will Robinson here from the Boys and Girls Club. We promised at the last meeting we approved the $50,000. Um, not a donation, the contribution to the Boys and Girls Club for their after school and at-risk children. So Autumn is here to give us a brief presentation this evening. So Autumn, if you wouldn't mind coming up to the podium. And uh, she's going to give us a, sort of an annual update. Uh, haven't seen Autumn in a minute, and she's here to talk to you and, and the community. Good evening, everyone. Uh, thank you so much for having me. And thank you again for supporting the local kids with your $50,000 contribution to the Boys and Girls Clubs of the Colorado River. I'm pretty sure everybody here knows, but just in case, um, the Boys and Girls Clubs of the Colorado River, we um, provide youth development programs for kids ages 5 to 18. And during we do that during after-school programs. Um, and then, of course, here on Fridays, there's no school, so we do full-day Fridays as well. And then during the summer, we do a summer day camp, which is five days a week, 10 and a half hours a day. If you average out the cost of our program fees, we charge a whopping 40 cents per hour per child. <laughs> so as you can imagine, those, uh, the costs of actually running that program are heavily subsidized by our community, by grants, by our thrift stores, and by contributions such as yours. Um, so we just want to say thank you um, for allowing us to be able to offer a very, very affordable service. Um, and even with it being 40 cents an hour, there are still families who cannot afford the programs. So in this last year, we've provided over $70,000 in scholarships to families who still needed more assistance um, to make sure that they had a safe place for their kids. So um, one of the questions we get asked a lot is how do we ensure that the money that Bullhead provides stays in Bullhead? Um, I'll just give you a quick uh, answer to that as far as um, speaking to the summer program. Uh, the Bullhead Club is our largest club by far. Um, Bullhead Club averages 200 kids per day in the summer. Um, that's And with a staff of 20, you do that quick math, we are well over $100,000 just in paying for the youth development professionals that are taking care of the kids. Um, in addition to that, we serve two meals per day, um, and provide them activities for mind, body, and soul, not including, or end in addition to uh, field trips um, to provide them enrichment and activities and exploration beyond the walls of the club. So it's a, it's a, the Bullhead Club is the largest portion of our budget and uh, without a doubt, 100% of the Bullhead funds stay in Bullhead City, just providing for, for the youth development professionals. So, and with that, uh, again, just wanna say thank you and we made you just a quick little kid art because kid art is our jam. And I just says thank you for lifting us up. Mayor, would you like to? Would any you questions? Like to, sure. The mayor will accept that if you don't okay. mind. Sure. Anybody have any questions? If you don't mind, how many people do you have enrolled in your programs? Um, in just Bullhead? Yes. Okay. So in Bullhead, it fluctuates. So on our summer programs, we average 200 a day, um, but we will typically enroll about 300, 350 because some of them want to come for a week, some of them want to come for the full eight weeks. Um, during our school year, we average seeing about 700, um, and again, that just fluctuates per season. Um, during like winter break, spring break, and that sort of thing, we get a whole different batch of kids um, because you know some parents have to work, some of them don't, so we just kind of fluctuate from there. And then through summer or through our sports programs, we get a, another two to 300 kids 
they're all different. Okay, and how many county-wise? How many county-wise? Yes. Um, so our, I'll take out Laughlin. <laughs> so in Fort Mojave, we averaged about 100 a day over the summer. And then this is our first time having our own clubhouse in Fort Mojave. Um, so we're averaging right around 80 a day during the school year. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Um, Adam, could you just explain, so you have that many kids in the summer. This last summer, we were able to start the recreation summer program. Could you explain how you explained to me before the meeting how those kind of complemented one another? Sure, absolutely. Um, I think our, our program is is the summer day camp, which is enrichment for the kids, but it's also very much a service for the families. It's so that those families who have to work or don't have a safe place for their kids to go, um, as you know, in this we have a lot of children who are being raised by grandparents, great grandparents, uncles, aunts. Um, it's a it's a lot if you're not used to having a five year old running through your house. 24 hours a day to get that kind of set in your lap. So we provide that full service, you know, 7.30 a.m. to 6 p.m. type situation. Um, whereas with the, um, the city's program, it, it was very, the way we viewed it was it was very much enrichment based. So if you had a child who was really interested in cheer, you could send them off to cheer camp. If you had a child who was really interested in track, you could send them off to track camp. So we had a lot of cross enrollment where they would be a club kid for the summer and then they would be gone for partial days during a week and they would come back and it was great. So we, we had absolutely, it, it seemed to work really well. Same with the Mojave Community College having their program. We had a lot of kind of dual enrollments. Um, and I think, you know, I hate to say that we are known for serving the underserved, but we do tend to serve a lot of the, the kids who can't afford to do anything else. Um, and we're, we're honored to do that, and we want to make sure those activities are as enriching as possible. Um, but it is nice to have the other options out there as well for, for families who do have the means to go and drive their kids to and from and, and make that happen. Thank you so much, Autumn. You do a great service to our community. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Just a quick comment, Autumn. Thank you for what you do and your staff, and you are appreciated, and keep up the good work. Thank you. I have an amazing team. We're very, very blessed. Thank you, Autumn. Thank you. Steve, there you go. Thank you, Autumn. Uh, next up on my report, uh, Travis Pruitt, Assistant City Manager, is going to give the council and community an update on our Metropolitan Planning Organization and what that means for all of us involved in that process. Um, we are a growing community, and Travis will explain what an MPO is all about. Good evening, Mr. Mayor, members of the council, and uh, ladies and gentlemen of the public. Um, as uh, City Manager Cotter mentioned, I'll do a brief update on our Metropolitan Planning Organization. Uh, the Council may remember we did a general update or uh, review of this uh, about a month or so ago. Uh, but just for the public's edification, anyone who may not be familiar with an MPO, um, what it is is a, it's a planning group that's set forth by uh, federal mandate. So once we reach a certain population level, um, the uh, government says, okay, you should set up this planning group that focuses surely on transit planning. So we're talking about bus roads, things like that. Anything related to transit is what they focus on. 
Um, so uh, we are at that point where we have to set up this planning group. But it is it'll be a it'll be a good thing for the city because now you start to look at your your community in a way and its transit needs in a long term way and putting together uh, planning that looks forward. So with that being said, um, I'll give a general uh, update on where we're at. Um, so initially, going back to when this first started, the, one of the first things we did is we reached out to ADOT and got a general briefing, had them come in with their team. It was about a staff of 10, 15 people that just went through the whole process and explained everything to us and what a uh, MPO entails. So it was kind of the first step getting into this. And then after that, one of the things uh, we uh, found out is our partners down in Lake Havasu, they actually have an MPO and they've had it in existence for a period of time. So we reached out to them, got a general update on how they handled things and uh, worked with them to get a sense of how it's been going for them. Um, and then also, in addition to that, they've continued to loop us in. So I, uh, I attend their, uh, both me and Eddie attend their uh, quarterly meetings, their executive meetings, as well as their technical uh, staff meetings. So we're just kind of getting up to speed on everything they do to help shape our process as we continue to develop ours and, and move it forward. Um, in addition to that, uh, Eddie and I have both met with um, other MPOs throughout Arizona, as well as one MPO that's in Indiana, just to kind of get that broader perspective on how things work. Um, and then one of the other things we did is we connected with uh, Kimberly Horn to get, uh, you know, tap them and find out how do they work with MPOs. Because one of the things that MPOs do is when they get into their planning process, they actually contracted out to people like Kimberly Horn. So we wanted to get their perspective and find out, okay, how, how is it from your end working with these MPOs? So we got that information. Um, and then after that, we've since met with the uh, county supervisor, or um, county supervisor Ron Gould, because one of the things with this MPO, the way it's designed, its planning area actually goes down into uh, Fort Mojave. Um, which is actually the supervisor's area. So he'll be an important piece to this. So we wanted to do an introduction to him um, and then also garner his support. So after talking to him, he said he's on board, he's in support of it, as well as the county manager. They're completely familiar and uh, up to speed on it. And they actually um, assigned two engineers to help us in technical planning on this. So from the county's perspective, they're completely uh, aware and on board. Um, in addition to that, one of the other things that was interesting, you may remember, is the way the Census Bureau drew this up is they looped in a section of Laughlin in our uh, planning group. And it was just surely the, just the Casino Row area, that small section of Laughlin. So we met with the Clark County leadership to talk through that a little bit and see, okay, uh, how do you feel about this? What are your thoughts on it? Um, and after due consideration, we talked through it, and for them, it made sense for the Laughlin group to stay in their existing MPO. So there is a caveat in the, the law that says if you're already in, in an existing MPO, you can remain in that MPO. So they decided that was what was going to work best for them. So at this point, we'll continue to interact with them. We'll continue to talk about shared matters and things like that but they won't necessarily, that Laughlin won't necessarily sit 
or participate directly in our MPO, uh, our MPO group. Um, since then, um, that's, uh, that's where we're at at this point. Um, what you'll see right now, so the next steps going forward is you'll, uh, we'll come back uh, next month, probably on the 19th, for council meeting, and then we'll actually present the resolution for you to say, yes, I, you know, I do or I don't want to adopt this and make it official. Um, but at that point, you'll see all the documents. You'll see our, our official planning area, where, it's, where this MPO is going to um, be responsible for, what the planning will be. We can ask some additional questions. We'll have ADOT staff available to answer any questions related to the federal funding that comes down. Um, and then also uh, you'll see the layout of the boards because there will be two boards that kind of drive this, uh, this organization, this MPO. One will be an executive board, so it will be elected members on that board. Of course, uh, people from um, Bullhead City as well as the county. Um, so you'll see a complete layout of the board. Um, and then also there will be a technical board that kind of focuses on actually the planning aspect. So people like uh, public, our public works folks um, and things like that. So those are the items that you'll see at the, um, when we present the resolution to you next month. Um, but in the short term, it's moving along um, just as, uh, as it would be expected. Uh, no hiccups at this point. Um, and then you know, we'll present the resolution next month and see how, what you think of it. And uh, that is it for updates. I stand for any questions you may have. Thank you. I think uh, when we get the presentation would be the best time for the questions because okay. everything's going to be presented to us. You know, we don't need to get ahead of ourselves. So. Okay. Thank you, Travis. I get, we do have one other announcement related to that. I think Travis is allowing me to present that to the council. So we have had discussions with the Fort Mojave Indian Tribe, and uh, Chairman Williams has agreed. Uh, that they would enter into our MPO. Um, that's very significant for us in our relationship with the Fort Mojave Indian Tribe. And when we took, Travis and I took a look at extending the MPO, the planning organization south of the city limits, um, it's a checkerboard of Mojave County, Fort Mojave Indian Tribe, and it's checkered all the way down to the river. And so as you look at that expansive area, including Chairman Williams and the Fort Mojave Indian Tribe only makes sense. And so we look forward to having that further discussion with you all as we look at setting up the executive board um, and inviting Chair Chairman Williams to sit on that board. Thank you. Thank you, Travis. Thanks, Travis. Thank you. A couple other brief things. Um, just wanted to, uh, the council's very aware uh, the Bullhead Bell is now open. Um, we have a little video that our TV4 crew put together, uh, if they could play that. Um, that is the former celebration boat that was donated to the city by Bria and Trevor Chudini, and we've had a couple celebrations there with them. Um, there's the ribbon cutting that was held on August 4th. We had a great turnout in, in the heat. Um, as you all know, this was uh, about an approximate $800,000 donation to the city. Uh, of course, we had some costs in setting it up and building the deck and uh, refurbishing the facility, uh, turning it into what I believe is one of the, the most enjoyable and will be for decades to come, one of the most enjoyable places for people to enjoy their park and their river. 
Um, there are two decks, primarily one on the river that seats over 100 people, and then a secondary deck, the boat itself, and then the second level of the boat, which you can see right there, where people are standing on the top of the boat uh, for uh, photos, for that photo op. So um, it was mentioned I called the public that I said it would be open every day. It will be open every day from 11 to 7. Uh, it will never be closed to the public, just like it wasn't last week when the senator was here. There were access to all parts of that facility for the public when they came. Now, while we did have the lower room reserved for the senator, the rest of the facility was open and accessible and available. And in fact, there were people there at the same time when the senator was there, just not in the room that we were in. Um, it's uh, it's going to be a great amenity for our community. There's food, there's drinks, and uh, of course, we like to say a lot of family fun will happen there at the Bell over the many, many years to come. Again, we've, we've thanked Bria and Trevor for their donation. There's a plaque out in front of the boat thanking them for their donation. And uh, we had a great ceremony uh, when we opened the Bell to thank them for their donation. And uh, we invite everyone to come out not just now maybe it's a little too hot but as we get into the fall winter spring i can promise you it'll be a very hot spot where you can come you don't have to buy anything you can just come and enjoy your colorado river um, and then last on my report uh, i thought we might have to address the criticism but it's already on my report so we can uh, we can just talk about it now so we did have an official visit from Senator Kirsten Cinema, like we've had in the many years that I've been your city manager. In the past, John McCain has come on numerous occasions, Senator Kyle, Senator Flake. It was an official Senate visit. Uh, they call the shots. They determine who shows up, who gets invited, where it's held. Not Mayor D'Amico, not myself. They asked for a venue. We had a perfect little venue to hold uh, a meeting. It was by invitation only. They asked for some input from the mayor on who the 10 people or so that should be invited. It was basically your local school board, or uh, excuse me, your school superintendents, uh, the mayor and vice mayor, and some other local dignitaries, and we're happy to talk about that at any time. Uh, there was some minor uh, dollars spent on food and flowers. Uh, there was definitely uh, nothing uh, underhanded about a senator's visit. Uh, I can tell you that I've been involved in Senator visits, uh, for example, with uh, former Mayor Hakem. We hosted Senator McCain to a private invite-only party at the chamber for 150 people. Uh, Senator Flake once flew into the airport at an official visit where there were about five people in the airport conference room. Um, it's, it's been all shapes and sizes, and when a senator comes to town, you definitely want to meet and thank them. In this particular case, Senator Cinema was a principal advocate to get us $2 million of federal funding for a new well. Um, we advocated, uh, the mayor advocated pretty much the whole meeting for more money, for more grants. Uh, I think the paper depicted that very well. Other people were there talking about some of their local issues. Uh, again, the city has nothing to hide. Uh, there were numerous reporters that were also invited. They reported on it very well. And uh, anytime there's an official Senate visit, we will always do the right thing and host the senator, no matter what their party affiliation may be. They are a senator. They're working for us in D.C. Whether you agree or disagree with them, we're going to advocate for them. Uh, I think the mayor mentioned at the meeting that is the only senator uh, in, the city, in the city's history 
that actually has gotten us federal appropriations. Um, whether you agree or disagree with any of those positions, um, we could use the money, we could use the grants, and that's why we apply for them. And um, we were appreciative of the senator's visit and of the money that she gave to us uh, in the recent appropriations and asked for about 300 million more for a new water system and uh, about 30 million more for the parkway and uh, we'll continue to advocate for the residents of our city uh, despite what the criticisms may be. Uh, it's, it hasn't changed in the 13 years I've been your city manager. When a senator asks for a visit, we will take it. That concludes my report. And could I just add to that? 300 million sounds like a pipe dream, but there is actually, a, we do have a very good chance of getting that. And with that, we would spend that money for a brand new water filtration system for our town where everybody could finally have clean drinking water, get rid of all our, our salt water systems and not put salt water into the river. Um, but keep your fingers crossed. All righty, mayor and council members reports on current events. Anybody have anything? Mr. Mayor, just real quick, I want to remind everybody about Oktoberfest next month. It's coming around on the 30th. It's going to be from 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. It's free to the public, and they're still looking for food vendors and non-food vendors. And uh, save the date. It's coming up shortly. Anyone else? I want to um, make a comment about um, Sunday's Mojave Valley News article uh, about the TB and the tuberculosis in Diamondback. And I read that article numerous times, five times actually, just to make sure I wasn't reading, missing anything. And what I didn't, what, what really rubbed me wrong about the article is anybody that's, if 101 journalism for dummies is who, what, when, and where. Who, what, when, where, and why. And it was this story it was how it was written. It was a story as to um, uh, 127 people had got tested. It went into the the the, um, the the symptoms. It went so far as to say that it was the 13th deadliest disease. Listen to this word: worldwide, worldwide. And what they didn't say. My daughter went to Diamondback 27 years ago, 20, long time ago. We never had TB. So you have to ask yourself, what, what really rubbed me wrong about the, the, the story was I didn't finish the story. I believe, I do not have proof, but I believe because the only thing I could think is what has changed since that time when my daughter was in school at Diamondback is the border. Nobody's saying the border. The border is open. They are coming from everywhere. Everywhere. You're not going to see it on the mainstream media. So what I'm trying to say is what the, the article rubbed me wrong because it was a scare tactic. But it did not even address the problem. And the problem is the border. And all I want to say is for everybody not to get all scared and everything and start masking up again, because apparently when they were doing the testing up there at the school, none of them were masked. Now, if you were really concerned, wouldn't you protect yourself? That's all I have to say. Anyone else? All right, consent agenda. Are there any items to be withdrawn from the consent agenda? If not, I'll take a motion. Uh, Mr. Mayor, 
I have a few comments regarding these uh, these two items on consent agenda. Uh, the first one is dealing with the uh, Houston-Galveston Area Council Purchasing Program. Questions I have are relatively short, sweet. Uh, these, these purchasing agreements, I understand what they're for, for the economy and efficiency, et cetera. The contract is for two years. My, my question is, is there any cost for us to become a member? Are there any fees or any fees for the service that we would get from them? Council member, no fees. Um, it's just for convenience. Another agency has bid out a, a plethora of things, including uh, an, a future item on our agenda. And so there are no purchasing agreements that tie us in, make us buy anything. Um, we can exit at our will. Thank you, Toby. And then I'll move on to the second one. The uh, second one is also a purchasing cooperative. Uh, does basically the same as the first one. Uh, both companies are in the state of Texas. My question is, is there any relationship between the two? That's question number one. And number two would be uh, belonging to these uh, basic co-op type of uh, organizations. Uh, we're not going to be endangering any purchasing agreements with we, we have with the state of Arizona, are we? Correct. Um, there no affiliation, no commitments on our end of the same. We still have the right to purchase off of the state of Arizona bid, the G GSA, the General Services of America, so the federal government. There's other local co-ops. But I would like to stress that typically we like to bid things out and have local contractors. Uh, just a quick example would be yesterday our groundbreaking over at the Senior Center, uh, $3.2 million awarded locally primarily local subs local bid that's what we like to do but sometimes like a motorola uh, like you'll see later on the agenda where it's radios or the console for the 911 dispatch someone has already put all that legwork into it and so these purchasing agreements do make sense but uh, we do not lean on them for our only purchasing thank you very much sir they're, in layman terms, they're kind of equivalent to like having these apps on your phones for the different restaurants. You know, you can shop at any restaurant you want, but you know at any time if, if, if you want that specific thing right away, you could order there and you're going to get it cheaper because you're part of this group. So. All righty, then I'll take a motion. Dan, make a motion. I'll make a motion to accept the uh, two items on the consent agenda. Second. Cast your votes. Vice Mayor Head. Yes. Seven in favor of the motion. Motion carries. Item number three. Item number three, discussion and possible action to adopt ordinance number 2023-18 by reference, approving an amendment to chapter 17.06.140, accessory uses, buildings and structures, title 17 of the Bullhead City Municipal Code, and adopt resolution number 2023-R-37, declaring the code amendment a public record. Mayor Timiko, council members, as you saw in the packet, this is with uh, square footage and multifamily zoning. Our planning manager, Johnny Laura, is here to explain and answer any questions that you may have. Good evening, Mayor, council. So the purpose of this code amendment is to apply the same maximum square footage allowance for accessory structures in multiple family districts as applies in the single family districts. So accessory structures in residential areas are things like garages, guest houses, pool houses, detached awnings, things of that nature. 
The code does not currently specify maximum square footage for accessory structures in the, the multifamily district. So this amendment would cap the maximum accessory square footage at 50% more than the living space. So as an example, if you had a thousand square foot of living space, you could have 1,500 square feet of accessory space. The Planning and Zoning Commission did recommend approval on the six to one vote, and I stand for any questions. Thank you. Anyone have any questions, comments? Thank you, Johnny. Anyone from the crowd, the audience? Uh, Johnny, just a quick question. Does that only apply to new construction? Steve, you have to address the council. Oh, sorry. Uh, does that apply only to new construction? Yeah, Johnny can answer it, but okay. yeah, we're, we're definitely not. You're, if you have a multifamily, you're grandfathered in out there, so. Right, yeah, if, it's, if there's one that already has an excess of that, they're grandfathered in, but in, if they're not already in excess, they'd be subject to the new rules. Anyone else have any questions? All right, then I'll entertain a motion. Mr. Mayor, I move to approve item three as read. Okay. Second. Cash votes. Vice Mayor Head? Yes. Seven in favor of the motion. Motion carries. Item number four. Item number four is a public hearing, discussion and possible action to adopt ordinance number 2023-19, approving an amendment to zoning map change Z18-006, ordinance number 2021-13, stipulation number seven to allow the applicant additional time, four years, to obtain permits for a project on I'm sorry, <laughs> on the side of Highway 95, north of 7th Street, described as a portion of Section 31, Township 21 North, Range 21 West, Bullhead City, Arizona. Mayor D'Amico, Council Members, uh, the applicant's uh, representative, Mr. Anderson, is here. Um, this is a, I can make this a fairly simple conversation. Um, in fact, Mayor D'Amico was invited to one of our meetings. We are working with a different developer on the development of this parcel um, in order to keep the zoning in place. It's an extension of time. Uh, we believe that the developer we're working with is funded um, and will be moving forward with development in the very near term. So we would recommend your approval. If you have any questions for Johnny or Mr. Anderson, certainly that's up to you. Any questions or comments? Anyone from the audience? All right, I'll entertain a motion. Mr. Mayor, motion to approve item number four is read. Second a motion. Cast your votes. Vice Mayor Head? Yes. Seven in favor of the motion. Motion carries. Item number five. Item number five, this is a public hearing. Discussion and possible action to adopt resolution number 2023R-38, approving an amendment to the land use plan of the Bullhead City General Plan to change the land use designation from medium density residential to light industrial for a portion of an 80.49 acre parcel of land located at 2525 Rio Ranchero Boulevard and described as government lot one and the northeast quarter of the northwest quarter of section 18 township 20 north range 20, 21 west bullhead city arizona mayor Tobago council members our planning manager johnny laurel will present this item hey mayor council so the subject 80 acre parcel is located just south of lost soul drive and the existing sns concrete plant west of the section 18 wastewater treatment plan and east of the desert Glen residential subdivision the existing general plan designation is approximately half 
medium density residential, and the remainder is parks, open space, and light industrial. This parcel does contain a FEMA-designated floodway that really uh, limits development of this parcel. So the applicant is requesting that the portion of the parcel that is designated as medium density residential be changed to light industrial, and the remainder would stay parks, open space, and light industrial. Uh, as part of this request, there's also the next item is a zoning request. If both this request and the zoning request are approved, the applicant plans to apply for a conditional use permit to allow for temporary mining of sand and gravel on the parcel. This was uh, in front of the PNZ Commission on August 3rd. They recommended approval um, with the understanding that there's another step after this and after the zoning change, it's the conditional use permit. The concerns that were brought up at that PNZ Commission meeting uh, would be addressed as part of the CUP. Those are things like noise, which uh, the applicant could speak to. I think they have some systems in place that would limit noise and alarms of the uh, equipment that would be on site. Lighting, you know, this would not require lighting because operations would take place only during the day. Uh, they will have to address dust control. They will have to address uh, a mining plan that they have an engineer that will develop this plan to make sure that they're in compliance with uh, all the guidelines, state, local codes. Um, applicant is here. I stand for any questions that you may have. Thank you. Does anyone have any questions? Mr. Ayler, <clears throat> question I, I have is number one, or my concern is uh, any amount of dust or noise from the 18-wheel trucks that might be going in and out, and also will you be having to put any type of another access road over the, over the property to get the sand and gravel out? So the portion I'll answer will be, uh, they do have access off of Lost Hills Drive. Um, as is required of any grading project, they have to have dust control. They've got to have water trucks out there to, uh, to spray down the area where they're excavating to address that. But that, like I said, that's true of any construction project, any grading project. And uh, if Mr. Ayler wants to answer the rest of the question, I'll defer to him. Can we put the timer on, Dan, please? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, my name is Dan Ayler. Um, I'm the uh, managing member of the LLC that uh, has filed this application. Um, and uh, Mr. Mayor, uh, council members, members of the public, um, my address is 2001 Highway 95 here in Bullhead City, as it has been for, I think, 53 years now. Um, we believe that uh, this parcel that has been uh, zoned as public lands uh, is not appropriate for, for residential. I would tell you that literally all of the property to the north of the parcel uh, is already zoned M1 um, to the East of the parcel is the city wastewater treatment plant and its rock quarry. Um, to the south of the entirety of the parcel uh, is uh, owned by one of our other companies. Um, we believe that uh, sand and gravel mining um, in conjunction with uh, the operator that uh, would be doing this work, namely uh, Mr. Stone of SNS Concrete, uh, is a reasonable and actually needed 
uh, use of the parcel. It is not, in our opinion, uh, appropriate for housing. And obviously, we need to change the zoning from public lands because in that zoning category, uh, private parties cannot utilize and affect the property. Um, will not uh, create any um, adverse road consequences. Um, we do not anticipate that the um, mining equipment uh, would go anywhere other than directly on the adjoining SNS uh, concrete property. So it would, they would be simply be transported uh, across this site to the adjoining property where SNS is currently located. Uh, we would anticipate uh, providing a, uh, a mining plan uh, that will, we believe, address some of the problems that the city of Bullhead City has with this parcel in that it delivers uh, water almost on a regular basis whenever, whenever water moves in that area down uh, Copper Drive, or I think it's Copper Drive. Uh, we believe that we can mitigate that, if not fully, substantially, uh, by an appropriate mining plan, which will be submitted to the Planning and Zoning Commission at the next level when we uh, proceed with the CUP. Um, we've already uh, have the operator, um, or anticipated operator, already has ordered out equipment that will eliminate the backup alarms that are mm, marginally irritating to uh, neighboring res residents. I know we have operated in Silver Creek Wash, the entirety of it from the parkway um, almost, almost down to Lowe's uh, over the last 40 plus years. And the only complaint that I can recall that we've received was, again, backup alarm, uh, and we can re eliminate those. Uh, there have been all, an alternate approval that will allow us to use uh, um, strobe lights, if you would, uh, in lieu of the audio, so there would be no audio uh, interference. Similarly, um, the operator uh, is fully uh, willing to and uh, proposes that uh, operations only would occur uh, during, uh, during the daytime. So uh, we do not believe that the uh, area, the Desert Glen area, will be impacted. Uh, in fact, we, we believe they will be improved, uh, certainly from a drainage standpoint. So there's lots of pluses and very few minuses in this, in this project. Thank you. And Council Member Alfonso, we're, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, too. This is just zoning changes right now. Next, probably next council meeting or council meeting after that, when when the plans come up, that's when these questions would be more more suitable. Right now, it's just just for the zoning change. And we have, um, Mr. Mayor, we have uh, uh, had the engineer retained by SNS to begin work on that mining plan that will be presented uh, in conjunction with the CUP application. Thank you. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you. Just to clarify, I want to make sure that we understand that it's zoned as a public land, but it's in fact privately owned. Yeah. Correct? Yeah. I got out there and walked this parcel and the other one that we're going to talk about later on, and I wouldn't build a house on this. No. <laughs> Nor do I think anyone else would if they, if they could avoid it. No. But thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Mayor, maybe I could... Uh, 
provide some remarks that are kind of clarifying here. What you, you have four actions going on here with two pieces of property. And what we have are, are minor uh, general plan amendments and zoning amendments, two separate things. Your general plan map is basically kind of like your, your constitution, I guess you would say, for general land planning purposes within the city. The general plan just provides guidance for um, general types of development. So there's kind of a, a, a footprint or, a, or an outline of what you want your community to be. Uh, general plans do not confer zoning. They do not. And so what you have here first is a minor um, plan amendment, which just means it only involves a certain amount of acreage. If it's a, if it's a major amendment, it, it involves a little more hearing uh, process involved to it. So you have a minor uh, general plan amendment. Then after this, on this very same parcel, you'll have a zoning change request. On the uh, third parcel, you on the excuse me on the third item, you will have a minor general plan amendment for that parcel and a zoning request for that parcel. We're, so we're only talking about plan amendments and zoning. When Mr. Ayler was talking about backing up equipment, light, dust, those types of things, that is solely uh, under the province of a conditional use permit. And so you can, ha you can, for the zoning that's proposed for you tonight, mining operations are authorized as a, as a right. But as far as some of the specific iterations of, for like a, a, a gravel pit, those are subject to a con conditional use permit, which is, solely the province of your planning and zoning commission. So if these are approved tonight, these general plan and zoning amendments, the next step would be for them to apply for a conditional use permit, which comes before your planning and zoning commission. However, it stops there. If the planning and zoning commission puts stipulations on, basically on, on the kind of the day-to-day -day operation uh, details or specifics of how things are done, uh, then that does not come to you. And so if you want some uh, clarifying information on what the, what the operator or landlord's intent is, uh, this would be the, the time to at least ask those questions, although keeping in mind that those questions don't control the zoning conferral or the change of the general plan. I hope that helps a little bit. Any questions about the process we're involved with? And, and Mayor, may I recommend also that uh, certainly the City Council has a lot of say in what ends up in a negotiated conditional use permit through me. And so if there's concerns that you have, the first item, you're just talking about the map, right? That's all it is. The next one is just the zoning. But if you're concerned about lights, if you're concerned about noise, dust, all those things, let me know. And we'll make sure that Johnny and Billy include that in a conditional use permit so that when it's in front of the Planning and Zoning Commission that your concerns are addressed. If you talk to the neighbors and they have those same concerns, we'll make sure that they're brought up and that uh, you know when those operations are taking place, they're not affecting anyone in those neighborhoods. And you know we have some authority on conditional use permits to revoke them and make sure that they're being enforced. And that's what Johnny and Billy would be doing in their jobs. So I agree with Garn. While we're principally looking at maps and zoning right now, um, and it's really not the time to talk about dust. If those are your concerns, let me know. Anyone else have any questions, concerns? Anyone from the audience? 
All right, then I'll entertain a motion. Mr. Mayor, motion to approve item number five is read. Second the motion. Cast your votes. Vice Mayor Head. Yes. Seven in favor of the motion. Motion carries. Item number six. Item number six is a public hearing, discussion and possible action to adopt ordinance number 2023-20, approving a zoning map change from PL, Public Land District, to M1, Industrial General Limited, for an 80.49 acre parcel of land that is located at 2525 Rio Ranchero Boulevard and described as Government Lot 1 and the northeast quarter of the northwest quarter of Section 18, Township 20 North, Range 21 West, Bullhead City, Arizona. Mayor D'Amico, Council Members, I think we've covered this item and the next ones well, but um, this is in fact that zoning change on that parcel of land that's in your packet showing up as page 11, uh, along with all the descriptions of the adjoining lands uh, in that area. Um, you see on page 13 some concluding pictures and descriptions of the property. Certainly, Johnny, Garn, myself, Billy are happy to answer any questions. And as you know on this item as well, the applicant is here. Any questions or comments from anyone? Toby, what is the Prop 207 waiver that it speaks of in here? Johnny, would you like to? So every zoning, I or zoning action requires this waiver to be completed, basically saying that um, the request is being made by, by the applicant and that they are waiving any uh, claim to future uh, a diminishing of value of the property based on the zoning action that's taken. So that's it's basically saying yes, that they're making this request, this is not the city you know, doing it without their consent. So if, there is a, 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 uh, if the value of the property is diminished, it's, it's on the owner, not on the city. Any other questions? Anyone from the audience? All right, I'll entertain a motion. Mr. Mayor, motion to approve item number six as read. Seven. Cast your votes. Vice Mayor Head. Yes. Seven in favor of the motion. Motion carries. Item number seven. Item number seven, this is a public hearing. Discussion and possible action to adopt resolution number 2023 R-39, approving an amendment to the land use plan of the Bullhead City General Plan to change the land use designation from medium density residential to light industrial for a portion of a 78.49 acre parcel of land located at 1805 Bullhead Parkway and described as the north half of the southeast quarter of Section 18, Township 20 North, Range 21 West, Bullhead City, Arizona. Mayor, Mayor D'Amico, Council Members, uh, just for the records and the minutes, this is a plan amendment, so if it would be appropriate, our planning manager will briefly explain this item as well. Mayor, Council, so this parcel is actually see southeast of the one that we just talked about this one is along bullhead parkway it's just north of the cmex plant south of the wastewater treatment plant there is no or there are no uh, adjacent residential uses uh, the rest of it is basically the same the, de the designation existing is mainly medium density residential but there's parks open space where the floodway uh, traverses the property as well as the light industrial so same request, requesting that this uh, entire parcel uh, have the general plan designation of uh, light industrial along with the parks open space to remain there. Thank you. Any questions, comments? Anyone from the audience? 
right, I'll take a motion. Mr. Mayor, I move that we approve item number seven as read. Second. Cast your votes. Vice Mayor Head. Yes. Seven in favor of the motion. Motion carries. Item number eight. Item number eight, this is a public hearing. Discussion and possible action to adopt ordinance number 2023-21, approving a zoning map change from PL, Public Land District, to M1, Industrial General Limited, for a 78.49 acre parcel of land that is described, I'm sorry, that is located at 1805 uh, Bullhead Parkway and described as the north half of the southeast quarter of Section 18, Township 20 North, Range 21 West, Bullhead City, Arizona. Mayor D'Amico, council members, as was described in the previous item, this is the zoning. Staff and developer are here to answer any questions. Any questions, comments? Anyone from the audience? I'll entertain a motion. Mr. Mayor, I move to approve item 8 as read. Second. Second. Cast your votes. Vice Mayor Head. Vice Mayor Head, your vote, please. Yes. Thank you. Seven in favor of the motion. Motion carries. Item number nine. Item number nine, discussion and possible action to approve a purchase of the APX Next Radio System for Motorola Solutions in the amount of $1,019,197.43 is stated in quote number 2237892 dated July 18th, 2023 and authorize the city manager to issue the resultant payments. Mayor D'Amico, council members, uh, we did briefly touch on this during the budgetary process. I think we've talked about it for the last few years that the police would be needing some new equipment, primarily the radio system. We did budget for this. Uh, Chief Treves will explain the item and uh, the purchase that will be made. Thank you, City Manager Carter. Mayor, council, good evening. Uh, this request is to purchase 90 Apex portable radios from Motorola Solutions. Current radio system has been evaluated and needs technological advance and services. Upgrading to these new radios prepares us for the newest technology and provides advanced features for public safety operations and officer safety. Some of the new features include smart locate mapping, encryption, LTE capabilities. We will also be able to communicate on other frequencies utilized by surrounding agencies such as Arizona Department of Public Safety, Las Vegas Metro PD, and also the Lake Havasu City Police Departments. The radios are being purchased from Motorola through the Arizona Cooperative Procurement Contract number CR CTR046830. And as stated, uh, it's at a cost of $1,019,197.43. This is a budgeted item. And I have the multi-talented Captain Harms here and our amazing Motorola Representative Doug Boxbaum, if anybody has any technical questions. Anyone have any questions? Yeah. Any grant money available for this uh, procurement? I I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't hear that. Is there any grant money available for this procurement? Uh, we constantly look for grants. Uh, Doug, if you're aware of anything offhand, um, if you want. Numerous grants uh, are available, but again, it's a matter of applying for them and either you do or don't get the grant money. But uh, at present, we haven't applied for anything right at this present time, but we know that this budget has been uh, moving forward. Thank you very much. There's a $29,000 trade-in. What are we trading in? 
Good evening. I'll take that one. Uh, so currently we're on what I call our third generation radios. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been, well, since we've started, the radio's lifespan is about seven to ten years as industry standard. So we still have radios from when I started. Uh, we're currently utilizing the APX 4500s. We'll keep those. So those radios that are now 30, no, yeah, about 30 years old, we're trading those in. So they were, it's kind of a, I want to call it a bonus program they're offering. Mm. Uh, it saves us the time of having to try to auction something that's not worth really much at all. And I want to make sure, are the, the radios are actually worn by the officers, or are they in the cars? Or? These are the body-worn portables, yes. Okay. You know, and Mayor, as we talked about during the budgetary process, um, you know, for the safety of our officers and the safety of all the people that they support on a daily basis, um, this radio system is primary to their job, right? They need to communicate, and when they go into a building and can't communicate, that's a problem for all of us. And so, as we talked about during our many budget processes, this is, uh, you know, is it just as important as ammunition or handcuffs or anything else they need to communicate i agree and we've always supported you before and i'm sure we will now um, any questions from the audience good evening sean bullhitsy i just have a couple questions one you mentioned encryption so it's no longer going to be traceable by scanners through the encryption? Yes, on those particular channels, yes. Okay. Um, two, with, I guess it's almost 11,000 a unit. Are they going to be insured? Um, because, you know, as we all know, law enforcement is really rough on equipment. If something happens to these radios, are they insured uh, for repair or replacement? Well, there's warranties and stuff. I give Doug, if you have anything further to add to the warranties and stuff. There has, uh, within this within this purchase is a five-year warranty, uh, replacement warranty of anything defective uh, materials or workmanship. Five years. I, I, I'm sorry. I was more referring to, like, uh, uh, somebody drops it, breaks it during a scuffle or something like that, damaged or normal. Yes, these, we do have the, the fully uh, comprehensive coverage on that. So if things like that do happen, I will tell you this is the most durable radio Motorola has ever produced. And, and we uh, are very proud of the durability of this particular product. Uh, the fire department has also bought a similar radio to this, and I will tell you that fire is much more damaging to equipment than PD. Thank you. That answered my question. Thank you. Anyone else? Seems to me these are very, very expensive radios. Your name, please? Stephen Lee, Bullhead City. Seems like these are very, very expensive radios, and uh, it uh, sounds to me, and I'm asking Chief Treves or anybody else, is do we really need uh, to upgrade? I, I don't. I really see like if our radio system is serving us now uh, to be spending eleven thousand uh, dollars for a radio. And even if you, whether you do this or not, I would think if we're only getting $29,000 for the old radios, uh, that it would, we'd be better off keeping them to have them as an emergency backup. Uh, and personally, I think that uh, if we stick to analog and older technology that's proven itself, uh, we'd be better off. And 
Uh, I see some big disadvantages. I know the chief probably knows where I'm going with uh, the more digital high-tech equipment. Um, I hope that gets considered a little bit. Uh, thank you very much. Yeah, I can answer. The, uh, the radios that we had at Captain Harms mentioned, some of them are well past our life service uh, from a technical standpoint. Things aren't being supported anymore because they're so old. Uh, the ones that we're getting 29,000 for are basically, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> that's a good deal to get 29,000 for those, I'll just say it that way. Um, and as, as far as uh, the expense, I mean, that it is what it is. It's an interesting standard. I mean, we, we do still live in a free market system, and so that's what the market, you know, demands for it. So, uh, Captain, if you'd like to answer anything else to that. Yeah, so the... So the radios we have now are APX 4500s. Like I said, they're a single band radio with one microphone. The common problem in law enforcement is uh, we've got a panic button. So if I get in a fight and I can't say, hey, I'm at the council chambers, I push that button. So what we rely on right now with our current technology is we got to go find that officer. With this new technology, it has locate. Dispatch could say he's in the, in the council chambers. Uh, where that comes uh, very important is in fights when the officers have to jump out of their car last second. Uh, when they push their button now, my radio would say, hey, uh, Jason Harms is in the council chambers needs help. So there is a price for this technology. The other thing, like the chief said, this is a tri-band radio, which means we can switch over to other frequencies in case of a major disaster. We could talk to Las Vegas Metro with DPS and some of the other agencies out there. So you, they are very expensive, but again, uh, the cost of a life when an officer screaming for help and can't say where I'm at, I think that's huge. And the technology, you know, technology's there. Thank you. And Steve, I appreciate your concern on, on the funding, but um, I want our equipment to work. If one of our systems calls, if one of our citizens calls, regardless of what it is, I want to make sure we have the best equipment available for them. So not your, your time's up. Thank you. I'm just letting you know. Uh, so with that being said, Billy, you have a question? Billy Pershing, Bullhead City. Uh, I'm interested in knowing whether these are manufactured here in this country and using technology that's developed in this country. Uh, Motorola is based in Chicago, Illinois. We are a U.S.-based company. Uh, the vast majority of everything that we do is based and manufactured here in the United States. A lot of the accessory equipment is manufactured offshore but the majority of the radio equipment itself is manufactured in the United States. Is there any knowledge as to how much of this technology is, uh, is uh, done in China? Well, as you might be aware, with the uh, federal laws right now, there is no interaction that can be done with China on, on this type of technology. Matter of fact, Motorola is in a, a major lawsuit right now with a major Chinese manufacturing company that's trying to steal our technology. Thank you. Thank you. Any other questions? All right, then I'll take a motion. Um, Mr. Mayor, I, I, I want to reiterate just what you said. If, if our police aren't safe, they can't protect us. So uh, I, I motion to approve item 9 as read. Second. Cast your votes. Vice Mayor Head, your vote, please. Yes. Seven in favor of the motion. Motion carries. Item number 10. 
Item number 10, discussion and possible action to approve an agreement with Russ Bassett for the purchase of the replacement 911 center dispatch control console in the amount of $203,884.03 and authorize the city manager to execute the agreement, issue resultant payments, and take all actions for successful impl implementation of the new console. Mayor D'Amico, council members, uh, in your packet is the uh, quote for the dispatch console modernization project. Uh, we did speak about that during the budget process. This is a budgeted item. Um, your colleague, uh, Vice Mayor Head, uh, was talking to me about this when he was affiliated with the police department. So was uh, the gentleman who followed him, Mr. Williamson, and then also Chief Treves. This is needed. It's been asked for. Um, we are waiting for the right time to bring it forward for council approval. We've not um, really updated or upgraded our 911 center for many years. Um, we're trying to make it more modern, more convenient, and more conducive to the great job they do. Chief can talk about the number of calls and what this equipment will do, but uh, we definitely are due for some upgrades um, and investments in our 911 center. Uh, keep in mind that we also handle all the calls for Bullhead Fire and some of the other local fire agencies as well. And of course, the major calls from our police department, all of the calls that come in on 911. Chief Treves. Thank you, City Manager Cotter. This request is to purchase the equipment and setup necessary for the replacement of the 911 Center's dispatching control console at a cost of $203,884.03. 911 Center's control console is critical infrastructure which has been in need of replacement for a significant period of time. The dispatch control council dispatches critical police responses within the city and fire responses throughout the Colorado River Valley. This project has been in the process for quite some time, as, as Toby just stated, with a careful thought and evaluations to options for improvement and installation for the continued high quality service. The dispatch center replaced uh, include equipment, the furniture housing, the equipment, and the floor apparatus accommodating the extensive communications network. Uh, three fenders were cons uh, consulted, however, the Russ Bassett firm out of Whittier, California was the most responsive professional in preparing the options and specifications. Russ Bassett also offers special pricing as a member of the Houston-Galveston Area Council Purchasing Program, as you just authorized us to do earlier. Uh, moreover, the pricing quoted originated from last year's uh, uh, quotes, and they have extended it uh, through the end of August, which affords the city an even more advantageous transaction. And uh, Captain Harms is here, too, if there's any other technical questions that I can answer. Anyone have any questions, concerns? Yes, Mr. Mayor. Uh, would this be providing more jobs for more dispatchers, uh, Captain? <laughs> No, it wouldn't. We, we, we have plenty of jobs for them, uh, but this is actually for the functionality of the dispatch center. The consoles are almost 20 years old. Uh, they've been put together by, you know, not literally, but public gum and tape. Uh, it's time to upgrade them, as uh, City Manager Cotter had mentioned. These are going to help because they move in different uh, directions, heights, monitors go in and out. Plus, when uh, 20 years ago there was a couple of monitors, and now uh, the dispatchers have, I think they're up to eight or nine monitors, a couple of phones, and this helps accommodate all those uh, technologies that we have in place. Uh, and Councilman, I'm, I may advocate a little bit to what you said. While it may not um, 
it's not creating more jobs. We do have openings in dispatch right now, and I think the one thing it does add value to is the comfort and uh, design. Because right now, if you take a tour, it's not all that snazzy. This is going to definitely bring that level up to where someone would be very proud to work there. Uh, not that they're not now, but the, the equipment and technology isn't quite where we need it to be. So I kind of concur with what you're saying. It, it brings that element of uh, just a little bit nicer than it is today. And snazzy is a good term, but <laughs> it also practicality too. The redesign will actually open up that center a little bit better and utilize space that's not utilized right now for comfort and for practicality. Mine's basically a comment. I've been up there, and I, I see the conditions they work under. This is going to be a morale builder, especially for those that are working the, well, I, I don't want to say 24-hour shift because it seems like they do. But whenever we need somebody and you need them now, those are the people you have to go to. And I personally want to thank all of them for the type of job they do. They do one heck of a job, and they get very little credit for the job they do. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone from the audience? Gary? Gary Genovese, Bullhead City. A forward question. Who is Russ Bassett? Thank you. Well, Russ Basso is uh, the Russ Basso is the company that uh, came out and spent the time with us to do the CAD design, uh, do the investment of time for this design. They're also uh, in their packet. They've got other PSAPs that they've uh, designed and, and for functionality and operation. So, and it's uh, Mayor, and it's not a person. It's a company. company. And in the packet on page seven. <laughs> Um, it says a little bit about them, and you can find them at Russ Bassett, which is B-A-S-S-E-T-T.com. And they say they're a made-in-America, made-in-the-USA company based in Whittier, California. There probably was a Russ Bassett at some time that changed the name of the company. Yes. Stephen Lee, uh, just wanted to... Uh, get some clarification um, is the uh, system that you guys want to approve uh, I heard uh, Captain Harms uh, mentioned that this was the fastest company at responding that kind of thing but have we compared the cost value to what we'd be getting from the other two companies that bid and what were the other two bids yeah the the big problem um, is that the other two companies were almost non-responsive uh, and Russ Bassett came in and they were responsive. They came out here, they did the whole design, they spent a lot of time out here. They've got a lot of experience in the industry. That was the issue really, Stephen, is that uh, that once once the other two companies knew that Russ Bassett was on it, they, they were almost non-responsive. I mean, did you get any other bids? To my knowledge, uh, Kevin Harms, I don't think we actually even received a bid. Is that correct? Yeah. But you did give them the time to respond and a deadline? Okay. 
And uh, then the next question with that is, uh, does this give any improvements? I'm not sure what the problem was, but I know our 911 call center has gone down. I'm not sure if that was the lines or the actual equipment there. And does this take care of any of that uh, to prevent that from happening in the future? Uh, no, as far as the outages that had happened over the last year, year and a half, uh, those were issues with service providers, uh, not this equipment. But I will say, as far as the equipment's concerned, there are certainly times when uh, one of the dispatchers, because they, they work for 12-hour shifts, a lot of times longer, uh, they have the ability to stand up and start doing their job as they're standing so they're not sitting all day and just raising what's there right now raising a desk and un start unplugging things and turning stuff off which is extremely pro problematic right in the middle of a, a call for service okay and just one other thing relates to both this issue and the last issue would be uh, is there any possibility that we can incorporate into these new systems for example the voices for freedom frequency to be able to communicate with the public in an emergency on that uh, family radio band uh, so that uh, if the event, the 911 system or something like that goes down or we've got an emergency that you guys can communicate with the public on a frequency. Yeah, th this particular item here, Stephen does not address it. This is the equipment to hold, Mon <clears throat> excuse me, monitors, uh, the radio console itself and, and, and things of that nature and then redesigning the actual floor for more practicality has nothing to do with the actual service going over the airwaves. Yeah, no, I was just referring to the frequency. If, now, if Stephen, that. this is this is a, for 911 calls. This is not yeah. for public information. This is when someone's right. having an emergency. Your organization does not need to, to be monitoring those or anything about it. In Thank you. Emergency system. Thanks. Any other questions? All right, then I'll entertain a motion. Yeah, oh, sorry. Hi. My name is Ivy Yeomans. My name is Ivy Yeomans, and I have a question. Um, already? <laughs> okay. <laughs> no. Um, um, how many dispatch employees do we have right now? We're currently slotted for 16 full-time dispatchers and six part-time. Oh, okay. Do you think that if um, along, is there, any, is there any additional money for the budget of hiring more dispatch workers? Or, or could we add that to the budget, yeah. maybe? Yes, we, we actually have positions open right now, but right now we're just uh, we're voting on the equipment right now. Oh, okay. All right, thank you. Okay, thank you. Is there anyone else? All right, then I'll entertain a motion. Mr. Mayor, I would like to make a comment and a motion. So I, 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 we're very blessed to live in Bullhead City because we are very safe. And I, I, I actually posted this on Facebook because I couldn't believe it, but in um, Oakland, Oakland, California, their city council has defunded the police so badly that they are, the police are actually, in, <laughs> it, it's ridiculous, informing the residents to buy blowhorns to help them alert their neighbors of danger. So when we're talking about the costs here, we, we are very lucky. 
and I see you snickering back there, but we are very lucky here, very lucky. And so I agree that we should support all the police things that we've done and operate like we ought to. Thank you. And I'd like to make a motion. Sorry, motion. And I'd like to make a motion for item 10. Second motion. All right, Thank you. Vice Mayor Head. Aye. Seven in favor of the motion. Motion carries. All right, that concludes our meeting. Thank you. In fact, Bullhead City is one of the most affordable cities in Arizona. New subdivisions are being built throughout the community, offering magnificent views of the Black Mountains, Laughlin Casinos, and the Mojave Desert. Local developers, brokers, and real estate agents are here to help make your move convenient and affordable. A large selection of rental housing is also available in the area. From traditional single-family homes to mobile homes, condos, RV park spaces, and apartment complexes offering amenities like pool, spa areas, workout facilities, and clubhouses, there is a rental option for everyone. Come to Bullhead City. We promise you feel at home from the first hello. in Bullhead City is like being on vacation all year long with 365 days of warm desert sunshine. We are an outdoor lover's paradise with parks and playgrounds, municipal swimming pool, fields and many other organized sports facilities. There's a community spirit here that can't be found in larger cities. We treasure our neighbors and treat strangers as friends. We breathe fresh clean air and enjoy a rush hour free commute. Bullhead City's great personality and abundance of natural resources provide a wealth of opportunities for people of all ages, including a public library, diverse restaurants, several golf courses, health fitness centers, and many first-class resorts in our sister city of Laughlin, Nevada. From simple pleasures to nights on the town, there's a lot to like in Bullhead City, Arizona. City Ordinance, all operators of rented personal watercraft, PWCs, are required to wear wristbands, signifying they have watched and understand the safety video in its entirety, and they have signed the Consumer Protection Form attesting to that fact. Failure to wear the wristband, watch this video, or sign the Consumer Protection Form prior to operating a rented PWC may result in fines or other penalties. Hello. I'm Chief Robert Treves of the Bullhead City Police Department. Each summer, thousands of people come to our area to enjoy the Colorado River, and many, like you, take to our water.